We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. So yeah, man, it was 1989. Young white kid living on the south side of Phoenix. I decided to go to a concert. The lights went down. It was a small little uh, arena. Lights go down. Some real deep bass. There's, it's kind of foggy and smoky. And uh, police lights come on. And out runs Easy e followed by the rest of the crew singing Fuck the Police. And that's what I fell in love, man. <laughs> that's when you knew, like, right then, like, hey, I got, I got to do this job, right? There's so much love in the world for it. Man. They made a song about it. Come on. <laughs> Did you know what you were getting into, man? Um, well, well, at the concert or in this career? <laughs> at the concert. At the concert. Uh, yeah, I kind of did, you know, because because of where I grew up. I mean, you know, NWA was kind of a uh, they were looked up to because they all came from the hood, allegedly. And, um, <laughs> you know, growing up in a neighborhood, everybody kind of looked up to to dudes that had made it out. And so NWA was one of those groups and they were a West Coast group. So being in Arizona, yeah, I knew it was going to be I knew it was going to be a little bit thuggish, but that was that's kind of my people. That's where I grew up. And I don't really it doesn't bother me. Yeah. See, that's what that's what I like, Ski. This is, this is who I've been telling you about for a while, man. For everybody out there, we're talking to he's known as deputy one time on Instagram. He is uh, Chief Deputy, right? Chief Deputy Matthew Thomas, uh, almost three decades in law enforcement, yeah. has a new book out, Interceptors, uh, which I was able to read and absolutely amazing. I've recommended it to two or three people already, uh, uh, and it's hit Amazon uh, and I'm sure other, other places too. Yeah. Kindle, uh, you can download it for digital formatting, uh, hardback, I think paperback, right? Yep. And uh, so, so when I read it and Ski and I were talking back and forth and we've been we've been uh, trying to line this up for a while. And I just told Ski, I'm like, this dude is like us, man, even though he's, he's an Arizona dude. Like he he grew up with some stuff we're going to get into. He's done a career of like what we call cop work out here, like done some really cool assignments. We want to jump into all that. And you already hear he's got a music background, so he doesn't <laughs> mind listening to some good music, you know, and, and like growing up around real people and seeing real stuff, you know? Yeah. So I like that, that you, you hit uh, NWA back in the day. Cause I would imagine if you were talking to a young kid on the block and you start talking about NWA, the first thing he's going to think if you're in uniform is like, what do you know about NWA? Like, how do you know about NWA? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, you know, obviously he's, he's been dead now for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, NWA, the group is, is kind of, they're all old and what their their own ways. And, <laughs> Yeah. Became what they became, and so yeah, these young kids, uh, they they think they're all about this gangster rap. But man, you know, like NWA was the originals, and I got to see them in concert. And like I said, it was a small venue, so they were up close and personal. Same, same. I saw Too Short there, uh, <laughs> a quick. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> it was it was good stuff. See, that's the thing. Like I, I used to talk to younger guys, and they would try to sample that. You know, everybody wanted to have a mixtape and stuff. And they would sample something, man. And I'm like, are oh, you sampling special ed? You know, are you sampling third base or something? They don't even know what they're sampling. They're just ripping right. stuff. And uh, so now, you know, now they can pull stuff up on Spotify or whatever. But I'll tell young guys, I'm like, man, you, you know anything about Public Enemy? And they're like, oh, man. Well, you know, they're like, no, 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 no. You need to listen to Public Enemy. You need to read the lyrics, like study it. I'm not saying agree with everything, but 
that's right. going to open your mind a little more than just how you how you package in <laughs> 20 rocks or right. how, well, how bad did, you, you know, yeah back back in those days uh it much like graffiti right if you want to know what's going on in the neighborhood you go read the graffiti if you want to know what's going on in neighborhoods all over the place, how thugs are thinking or, or gangsters are thinking, they're going to tell you in their songs. hundred <laughs> percent. Mm -hmm. Get into your local, get into your local hip hop scene. You'll learn everything there is to learn. Now that, now that's true. Uh, and that was one of the things we used to have to tell people back probably now 15 years ago when everybody mm -hmm. was still pushing record labels. And we're like, look, this record label on the surface is doing these events. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, it's so great. It's going to be a community event. We're like, man, look a little deeper. This is Bloodstone Villains. You know what I mean? Like the whole record label is nothing but villains, yeah. right? Well, these dudes are five, nine brim. Like look at, look at how they're holding their hands, the tattoos they got, the Bentley, like five feathers, five tail feathers, nine uh, arm feathers or whatever, like wing feathers. Like yeah. that's five, nine brim. People are like, oh, but it's going to be a good concert. Like, no, it's not. It's going to be a shooting. And we're going to go was... out there. <laughs> When I was like two years on, I had an album release party in my beat. <laughs> and I already knew. Like, it was like night shift. I was coming on. It was like six o'clock in the evening. And I, I was like, man, this is this is the night. And, it, and man, I got down there at like 6.15 just to poke my head down in the area. There was already hundreds of people down there. And I was like, this is not going to end well. It was like fire already. Uh, it was shots fired all night long. It was, You name it. And it was just, I mean. It's it's fun though, cause all I did, I rolled up, man, and uh, I just said, I'm clearly not getting in the middle of y'all's party, but I'm gonna be around, you know. Just I found I found the dudes and built a little rapport there, and uh, it, everything ended up good though. But it was one of those yeah. things where it was like, ah, this, isn't, this isn't gonna be a fun yeah. night. Yeah. But hey, for all the all the non cops that like to listen to our show, your handle, Deputy One Time. Explain the one time, man, cause everybody knows. You know what one time is because we're already talking about the hood yeah yeah so uh that that's kind of where the because people always not always but you know they ask you like where'd you come up with your name and and of course i'm a deputy right i'm a deputy sheriff even as the chief deputy i'm still a deputy sheriff because the sheriff <clears throat> gives me the authority and so uh deputy was obvious choice and then one time because you know that's all growing up that's what i grew up with mainly mainly uh uh in a Mexican and black neighborhood. And so um, one time and Huda was the two things that we called the cops. And so you would hear, they would scream down the block one time. And so you knew that the cops were coming. And uh, you know, the history of one time you can, that there's arguments all over the place of where it came from. Uh, but all I know is growing up, that's what they called the cops. And so um, I just added it to my deputy. So I became deputy one time. That was yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we 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 hear it where we work too. It's the same thing. Yeah. You, you're rolling with your windows down. People, young kids are still yelling one time and yeah. a couple yeah. other things, man. But or, I love or if it. You're, yeah, if you're doubled up, they'll be like two times because they want to be times. nice to get the heads up. Like there are two two of them. You know what I mean? Yo, but, they yeah. got that whole van tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we we were on bikes one time behind a U-Haul and and it. The SWAT team was in the U-Haul, right? Uh, and we and we were in the gang unit, and we tell the the team, the drug team, were like, or the SWAT team were like, y'all are doing a drug search warrant in like one of the worst blocks we have, where like no one has furniture or clothes. Like these are just like basically like trap houses, and y'all are gonna pull up in a U-Haul, like someone's really moving in with furniture and stuff. But we were all lined up on bicycles, rolling behind it to block, you know, the view coming down the street. Yeah. 
and one one of them break one of the dudes breaks off on the bike you know to, to go around the um u-haul to, to get to the rear to lock it down and you hear someone yell one time one time and then the rest of us start peeling off on these bicycles like two times three times fucking everywhere <laughs> <laughs> anyway and then it was chaos but yeah so it's crazy that you hear you hear the same stuff out here that you hear in arizona you would think it would be more like regional, like out here we would have something different. Well, and, but. and dude, honestly, it, it goes back to like we were talking about with hip hop and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that, a lot of the lingo gets spread across the nation because of songs. And so, you know, they, they hear the song, they hear the lingo in there and it just spreads. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're good at doing that. Yeah. So t- tell us a little bit about how you grew up. Now, you mentioned it a little bit. And I know in the, in the book, you don't have to give everything away because – when I was reading the book, I was like, oh, dude, I, he's just touching the surface on some of these stories. But I do oh. know, like, yeah, reading that book, I was like, all right, he's he's got a good a good upbringing there, man. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I have some uh, some legit crazy stories that uh, just it's weird. Sometimes you think back and you're like, damn, I survived. That's crazy because, uh, you know, there's a lot of situations that were, you know, looking back pretty dangerous. And I'm sure my mom didn't want to hear about the stories but uh i grew up in uh it was weird man because my so my mom's side of the family uh you know white middle class people uh, my my grandpa was a business owner um and my mom she was a single mom since the time i was like four years old she wanted to make it on her own so we lived uh, down the street in section eight housing so kind of the same area but we just lived in the section eight housing area which of course, you know, is like the government subsidized housing. And uh, uh, you don't even know you're growing up gangster, I don't think. <laughs> you know, it's, you're just growing up, man. You don't pay attention to all that stuff. And and I grew up with the friends that I grew up with. We grew up playing soccer together, baseball together, all that stuff. Um, and then as you get into your teen years, I mean, you kind of know what's going on around you because, you know, there was always gangs in our neighborhood, different, different gangs. Um, but as we got into our teens, that's when it started becoming more evident because like some of the guys I hung out with started affiliating. And once they do that, you become affiliated by proxy, even though you're not banging or nothing that you're, you're the dude that was with that dude. And if somebody doesn't like him, they don't Mm -hmm. like you. So you become kind of guilty by association. And so, you know, I, I experienced a lot of that. I got shot at, you know, at a young age because, of my friend that I was with, somebody was shooting at him. I happened to be with him. And so uh, I got, you know, jumped at a local pizza place because I was friends with so-and-so. It didn't have nothing to do with me. I didn't even have a dog in the fight, but mm-hmm. they recognized me and I was out of bounds. So, you know, they, they, they got me and, uh, and jumped me. So just crazy stuff like that, but grew up predominantly Hispanic neighborhood with, uh, all my friends, for the most part, except for maybe one or two, were, were Mexican. Um, uh, we had a black friend, but we called him Blacksican because he was, he was black. <laughs> but, uh, his, his, uh, just the way he talked, everything, he was Mexican. He was just a black yeah. guy in a, in yeah. a Mexican body or a Mexican yeah. black guy's body. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, grew up in that culture, grew up in the gang culture, uh, grew up understanding boundaries like uh you know how streets equal boundaries i knew which streets i could go past which streets i couldn't uh, Mm -hmm. because i'd be in a different neighborhood um and it was it's it sounds odd now to say it because like i don't live in an area that's like this but i even had like 
when I had girlfriends as a, as a young teen, if they were in, if they were two neighborhoods over, I had to plan how to get there safely because you had to go through two other territories. <laughs> and so you'd have to plan this out. Like, okay, I, I can take this. This is kind of a green zone area. Mm -hmm. I'll be okay. And then I'll have to cross over here and, and you'd have to plan your routes to go see a girl uh, just all based on imaginary lines, you know, by these, these different gangs and stuff. So it was interesting yeah. to grow up in that environment. Yeah. And then you have to kind of, <clears throat> and, you, and you, you talk about it in the book, but you have to start to learn and you don't even mean to do it, but you learn to read body language. You learn to oh. read deception, anger, you see your, your, your eyes are reading like, Oh, cause his feet are squaring up with me. You know, like he's me mugging me or whatever. Like this, this is go time. Like you said, like you hit the wrong neighborhood or you hit the wrong cut and some yep. dude, some dude catches you. Right. And right. so, and so that, that kind of transitioned into some of the work you did, right. Once you got into law enforcement. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, yeah. Growing up watching things pop off in front of you. I mean, I, I was witness to probably, Ah, man, I'm going to say uh, three, four, probably five different shootings uh, by the time I hit high school. Um, and so, you know, seeing stuff like that pop off and again, watching people's body language, watching how fights break out, watching how fights progress. Like I knew at a young age, if I was at a party, I knew I had to have like positional awareness and and awareness of my surroundings because all it would take is one wrong person walking into a party and all of a sudden there was a fight and a fight would never be isolated to one area. It would break yeah. out everywhere. Everybody be fighting. And then you would hear bottles. And traditionally in my neighborhood, it went fist fights. Then you heard bottles. Then there would be gunshots. So it was kind of a transition. Mm -hmm. so as soon as you heard bottles, usually you were trying to find some cover. <laughs> um, and then just uh, even growing up because of drive-bys and stuff, drive-by, you know, I grew up in the, the 70s, 80s and, and uh, early 90s. And uh, that was my, you know, like my formative years before I hit adult age. And uh, in the 80s, you know, drive-bys were a big thing. And so uh, one of the one of the things I tell people that they just have no understanding of if they haven't experienced it is uh, we had on my street, if you had trees in your yard, or if you had a broken down car in a certain spot, you knew where your cover was. So like if I was out front playing basketball and a car hit the block and they slowed down or turned their lights off, we would all stop playing and everybody would get cover, let the car go by. And then once the car passed, everybody would come back out and start playing again. And that was a normal thing. And it was funny because I would have like a, a cousin would come over and we would all get cover. And this, you know, they'd be standing out there like, what are you guys doing? Like, it's not, you stay out there. So you might want to get it. <laughs> you know, stuff like that was just, uh, it was normal growing up, but it, it wasn't normal in the normal world. <laughs> but I think so what's fascinating to me is like a majority of the population just doesn't, can't comprehend that this actually happens. Not from, you know, everybody. No matter where you live, if you live in close proximity to a big city, I mean, this stuff is not far from you. Right. I mean, it's, that's the crazy part. And there are so many rules when, like you said, you hit that certain street or, you know, cross the tracks or whatever. And most people are just so oblivious to it, like your cousin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so and so then jumping forward, you got into 
like police work kind of at a young age, right? I mean, when I say young, like as probably as young as you could, correct or no? Yeah, I was I was 20 when I started with uh, Pinell County. So um, started with as, at 20 years old. And yeah, so basically spent my whole adult life here. That's great. And so you went from entry level deputy all the way up to now second in command, correct? Yeah, or at least I, second I, in it. started in the, uh, the jail first. So I was a detention officer in our jail. Then went out to the road as a deputy and then worked my way through the ranks. I was a sergeant for about uh, almost 10 years and then uh, a lieutenant for, uh, I think I was a lieutenant for like six years. And then uh, when Sheriff Lamb, a.k.a. the American sheriff, when he when he <laughs> won office, he uh, he offered me this position as second in command. Mm-hmm. And, I jumped up. Mm-hmm. and now your background, though, that at least the interesting part that I, I remember quite a bit, but uh, is, is basically the drug work and the cartel work, right? Yeah. 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 That was, uh, cause obviously man, with my background, um, I had a good base knowledge of, of the gangs and, and the dope and all that stuff. And just like probably, well, I don't know, I can't say most people, but like a lot of us growing up in that environment, I had family on both sides of the law. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I had, uh, I had family that, uh, has done a lot of years for dope charges and, and, being in shootings and, and uh, cousins that are OMGs, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, had other side of the family that were cops. And so um, I had a good understanding of all that. So I think you naturally gravitate towards that. And, and the funny thing is like, to me, that's what cop work is, right? Like I'm, I know that there's, you know, there's people stealing stuff from circle K and there's husbands and wife fighting. And I, I know that's all part of our job too. But to me, that's like the core of our job. That's the baddest of the bad dudes that are causing society problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's where I gravitated towards. I was comfortable in that world. I knew that world. So I think I had a natural affinity for it and, and was comfortable operating there because, you know, it's, you can see some of these cops, especially nowadays, they're, they're not really used to uh, just dealing with hardcore people, hardcore gangsters. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of how they've been brought up. And, and I had no issue with that. I had comfort with that, especially working undercover, you know, undercover is a whole different thing because you're in their world uh, and you have to be comfortable being in that world. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, and that was the thing too, like in the book and, and you've posted some stuff too, like pictures and uh ski and I'll trip out on it. Cause we always laugh about everyone who's done like cop work has like the pictures when they were playing clothes and yeah. you look like, yeah. Like everybody always looks completely different. And, and unfortunately I showed somebody recently an old picture of me. Uh, and I look absolutely hideous, like not even cool guy. I look like I used to get stopped a lot by actually police officers on our department. They wouldn't let me into certain parts of the building. Uh, I've, I've had an old man who I think was like from the cast of grand Torino, you know, and he just comes up to me like, what are you doing in my cul-de-sac boy? You know that. And then I realized, man, I look a little too stupid. So I need to like cut, cut my hair and, and uh, change my glasses or whatever. But so when you were doing that stuff, like one of the things in the book, when you transitioned into, I say cartel work, but I mean, we're kind of ignorant out here, at least skiing out or our background is not in cartels. It's all bloods, crips, Lorenos, Nortenos, like, like street level gangster disciples, all this stuff right. or drug, drug backgrounds, like ski work, some, some like trafficking networks and stuff. When you, in the book, you start talking about actual patrols that you all were doing in the desert, like how to get up to speed 
and what red basically like something we would do in the military, like patrols, you know, going out into the desert. Yep. And what, and one of the things that I just mentioned, I think to ski and then somebody else recently was about the pictures in your book. that are almost like, like, tra- not, I want to say training aids, but you know, like when you're in a class and someone's explaining, they're saying, Hey, this is this type of person. This is the category. They put these packs on their back to carry this much dope on their back. Um, but one of the things that you brought up in the book were, was that they would line their soles of their shoes or not line, but wrap carpet around the soles of their shoes. Right. T- tell us about that. Dude. So those are, uh, they call them sneaky feet, uh, or carpet <laughs> booties. And uh-huh. so, uh, like any hunters are kind of familiar with them, right? Uh, cause they use them in the hunting world too, uh, for, for sneaking into spots or, or quieting your footsteps, but they're using them here to cover up their tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, um, yeah, they'll, they, and they're, it's funny because people, people really trip out on this, that in Mexico on the South side of the line, there are stores that sell this shit. So <laughs> it, it, it has, <laughs> down there and they traditionally yeah. in our area, they carry the black water bottles. That's what they carry their water in. Those are for sale in this swap meet. They have mm-hmm. the booties, the carpet booties that slip over their shoes. And what it does is uh, it has carpet on the bottom. So as they're walking through the dirt or sand, it hides their footprint and mm. it, gives it, it almost gives it the appearance of being old prints. So that if you're a tracker, if you're tracking uh, people, mm-hmm. um, you look at that print. And if you're if you don't know what you're looking at, you would say, oh, that's an older print. Um, or sometimes it's to so that if you catch them with the packs, you can't put them because uh, what they'll do is they'll dump the dope a lot of times and then get away from it. And so mm-hmm. I'll catch them over here and I'll have the dope right here. And if I have tracks going to and from easy mm-hmm. connect, but if I can't put the Adidas shoes on that dude with the dope over here, then it's a little bit tougher. That's gotta be a nightmare in court, man. Uh, it, it is. And it isn't man, because it's, it's not the soul, you know, just like any dope case, it's not the one thing. Right. So yeah, you, you got plenty of other stuff. Um, without giving away all of our secrets that you, you, you know, yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just like the fact that how I don't like that people adapt that way, but it, it but it keeps us checking one another. It's like, okay, all right. Oh, Y'all get a little I, sneaky. I'm yeah, but you, yeah. you want to see, like, I, I, I've always said, like, if the cartels use their ingenuity for good, dude, mm-hmm. they would, they would, do such good in the world because they are some <laughs> bastards when it comes to working around law enforcement. Hundred percent, and that's what makes it fun. You know, I'm I'm with you, BC. Like, yeah. it's it makes it hard, but that's the that's the most that's the cat and mouse game, and that's the addiction. I think it's mm-hmm. it's the chase, man, and oh, that's really? why we that's why that's why you love it. And I think any of us that are hunters, that's that's the ultimate hunting, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. You have a a thinking, acting prey. Or maybe they're a predator. <laughs> they could be either. And, you know, you're trying to outwit them and, and hunt them. And sometimes they're trying to hunt you. And, I mean, dude, it doesn't get any better than that. It's so yeah, much what? fun when you learn a trick, though. I, w- I got in a foot chase one day, and we ended up in a convenience store. And I ended up having to pull the video for for my case jacket. And it was covering a pretty broad area of the convenience store. And a lot of, a lot of dudes hung out in front there, and they sold and this and that. But when I kept watching the video over and over again, I realized how many people in there were actually holding crack because it was like 
it was coming out of pants. Like people were diving for stashes. People were pulling it out, eating it, throwing it. And I was like, you know, and I worked that area. So I knew there was always two or three guys in there, but I'm like, everybody in the store was selling crack. And it was like, <laughs> so I had some good intel as to where to go the next time I rolled up there. And like, all right, this guy's in aisle three under the fourth chip bag. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, I got you reminded me of a story I gotta tell you because it's one of the funniest <laughs> things that ever happened to me. And I didn't know it was funny until afterwards. So we're in a pursuit. It's on New Year's Eve. We just get a new sheriff. So it was 2000, the New Year's Eve of 2000 going into 2001. And uh I'm in a pursuit, and it's with this weird conversion van kind of thing. It's almost like an RV, but it's not. And uh I didn't actually stop the van. My buddy stopped it and I pulled up on the passenger side of it and I'm looking at the dude and I have a rookie with me. I'm looking at the dude in his rear or not his rear view, but his side mirror. And I'm looking at him, look at my guy. Like he's intently watching the dude that just stopped him and is getting ready to go up. And I tell my rookie, I said, he's up to something, man. And so then he looks on my side and and we make eye contact through his mirror and he smiles and I'm like, shit. So I put it (laughs) drive and the chase is on man and, and, we go, and we went for a couple of miles and uh, uh another agency spiked him in front of us and uh so I, and I, all this is on camera because i had a dash cam at the time so i'm i'm like this they call it out hey we got spikes at whatever location i'm like yeah and so on camera i'm like come on motherfucker hit the spikes hit the spikes motherfucker yeah he hit the spike and so he hits the spikes and then he goes kind of off road and comes into the back of this neighborhood that was it's it's a gangster neighborhood in our county and so he's he's cruising across and he's losing his tires but he's still going cross country towards these houses so i'm thinking all right he's a gangster he's he's mm-hmm. trying to get to a house i can see in the backyard because these are chain link fences there's a, a gangster party going on there and so there's a a, a bunch of dudes around a fire drinking beers and stuff and he's going for that and i'm like all right here we got you know, you can see it playing out. I know what's happening. Sure as shit, he comes to a stop right at that backyard, and they all just kind of turn. They got their beers. They got their music going. And uh, I get out, and I'm yelling at him, and he's stuck because of his seatbelt. He forgot to take his seatbelt off. So he's trying to get out. Seatbelt's holding him. And I'm yelling, get your fucking hands up. Get your fucking hands up. And, and uh, I'm giving him the what for. And so I'm concentrated on him. I'm not even worrying about these dudes. And uh, other got, got cops are getting there. We all, you know, get them in custody. Long story short, shorter. <laughs> uh, he's out of there. We tow the vehicle, all that shit. I go back to watch the tape so that I can, you know, finish out my report. What I didn't see is when I get out and I'm yelling, get your hands up, motherfucker, get your hands up, motherfucker. All those dudes drop their beers, put their hands up. <laughs> two of them, them turn around and put their hands on a car and got in the position. And then finally, as this goes on and they see me kind of wrestling with him at the door, one of them is looking back and then he's kind of like, oh, shit, he's not talking to us. And he turns around and so all the gangsters go back to just like their cool pose. And I, yeah. I wish I could have known it. out yeah. a whole bonfire, man. There's nothing... I got there's nothing better than that uh that mutual understanding of when he smiles at you and yep. he's kind of like hey game on motherfucker and you're like yes <laughs> yeah. sir oh, yeah yeah <laughs> that's or, the best or, feeling in the whole world 
<laughs> yeah, like I was gonna say, you that's when you when you go back and look at the video, you look at the rookie and go, you know what to learn from this group that just put their hands up. Not one of them's got got warrants. You know what I mean? Like they had warrants, they'd have gotten low. But like all these yep. dudes, are like, oh, I'm good. I'm not holding anything. Like I'm good. I'm just drinking tonight. <laughs> yeah, I just drink it. Like they're like laughing. Like oh, that dude, he's got a bad night, man. But me, I'm good. Catch me next week. I'll probably have a gun in my waistband. But tonight, I'm good. Yeah, there is that understanding too that we've talked about with the ranking guys now. Because like the area we work in, we're probably we're 20 years in now with gangs in our area, like operating the way gangs are. So you can plug them straight into bloods, crypts, whatever. But that first generation that was running and, and selling a lot at that time, like a lot of crack and just a, and started getting a lot of heroin and weed, weed was always pretty big too. But as they were selling and getting caught and foot, foot pursuits and you get all these stories with you guys, you see them on the block every day. As they got older, the younger cats came on and the old heads would be like, Man, y'all don't even <laughs> y'all don't even know what it was like when we used to run, you know. And you get to start swapping stories. And the first time I'd heard it, I had an older guy who was training me. He was actually a Marine um, with the same, sadly, with the same unit that had been bombed in '83 in, in Beirut. He had been on leave, so he wasn't part part of the um, attack. But this dude was just like like hardcore man, and everybody respected him. Gray flat top, chiseled up. And uh, he just didn't, he didn't take any lip. But what I didn't know is like how cool he was with everybody. So we're, we're transporting this dude, this like shooting suspect or whatever. And I'm like, as a rookie, like, oh man, this is a guy who shot somebody. Like, oh, this is a big deal. And they're just cutting up back and forth. And he's like, hey man, like, like tell the rookie here the last time we, we had, uh, we talked or whatever. And the guy's like, oh man. And so he tells me this whole elaborate story and I won't waste your time. But what he was teaching me was that, he was like, because he, he was a not, he was a blood, right? So he's like, like bloods. We we only have sex standing up with our, with our pants down. Like I'm picturing, like, you know, like what? But he was like, you always got to have your pants on, your shoes on, because you never know when you're gonna have to hit that back door. Well, <laughs> well, my my training officer had gone to the front door, talked to whoever was to answer the door, and they basically didn't want to deal with him. So they were like pointing to the back, like going back there and get him. You know, quite you know how that is, like a relative or somebody don't want to deal with it. So he eases on back there, and as soon as they make eye contact, he's got this girl up against the wall with his pants down. Of course, he's running out the back door trying to pull his pants up, and of course, the the uh, senior officer got him in custody. But they're just swapping these crazy stories, and I realized then, like, here's the shooting suspect that I saw the the bolo for in roll call, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is the, this is it, man. We're going after the real deal, and then they're just cutting up the back, and he's just like telling these funny stories. So that kind of set the tone too for me that like. I'm in the right district. I'm on the right squad or the right senior officers that are teaching me. You're going to go after these dudes. And yeah, they made some really bad mistakes, but you can still build rapport, talk to them. Oh, yeah. You know, joke around, like cut them a break, you know, well, that sort of thing. But, just like, uh, just like I, I kind of outlined in the book a little bit. And then we talked about here growing up, man, you know, there were some dudes. I mean, one of my, one of my best friends growing up is a double homicide suspect. He, he mm. shot two dudes at a party, shot him in cold mm. blood. Nah, I mean, mm. not cold blood. It was rival gang shit, but yeah. nonetheless, you know, um, chill dude. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's, it's almost um, the only way I can, I can like make it make sense for people is when you're in that environment, it's almost like being in a war. And <laughs> when it's time to fight, they fight. And when it's not, they're just normal people, you know, mm -hmm. chilling out. Yeah, that's what a lot of a lot of the interviews I would do. 
uh, and I was telling somebody this just recently, guys would start crying. Like gang members would start crying in the interview. And it, and it wasn't necessarily that they were sorry that they shot somebody because it was them or the other guy because they're always shooting rival gang members. Or, you know, some guys would cry if they, if they hit a kid or something, obviously, because they're not heartless. But even when they would shoot like a rival gang member, what we would start talking about life, about decisions they make, about the kids they're going to leave behind because they're going to go do X number of years in prison or whatever. And dudes will start crying. And sometimes you lean in, you put a hand around them, you know, because one human to another. I mean, I, I'm not heartless like that. I can't just sit there and be like, oh, yeah, you, whatever, you know. But uh, another detective had um, seen this, some of the crying and thought that I was in there. Didn't see the whole interviews. We just hear it over the the um, big screen in the office. But that person thought that I was in there threatening them, like telling them, oh, you're going to do 50 years in prison or, you're, you know, whatever. I was like, no, we're talking about life decisions. Like, you know, I mean, like, almost like a therapist, like, yeah, you, you know, these are decisions you've made. And now, sadly, you've ruined everything for you, for your girl, for your kids, your grandmother, whatever. And a lot of these dudes and, you know, that growing up, it's like some dudes just can't slow down because they're in that cycle of like, like live or die. Like if the dude right. comes down the block and, and the lights are out and, and they're going to be popping shots, I got to get behind cover. I got to do whatever. They never just slow down enough to think their actions are affecting their friends. Just like you said, when you grow up, guilt by association or you're standing around, someone gets shot at, you could catch the stray bullet, you know, or you get caught up and get hemmed up in a charge, you know, in the car or something with a dude with a gun. It's just, uh, it's crazy. I apologize if I missed it, but are you working in the same area where you grew up? No, no, I'm, I'm probably, I got to be about 45 minutes to an hour away from uh, okay but you're still you, i mean it's obviously at some point in time you've probably ran into some people you knew from back oh, in the day yeah, yeah yeah but actually you know what was really funny is uh when i was a young deputy um i stopped a carload of gangsters and uh they were they were out and i don't know exactly what they were up to because we never did really put it all together but i knew they were up to no good they were in an area that they didn't belong mm -hmm. um and so when i stopped them <laughs> It just so happens that they were from the game of the neighborhood I grew up in where mm -hmm. I knew the OGs and grew mm -hmm. up with those dudes. And so these these guys were like, oh, we ain't doing this. We ain't doing that. We ain't about nothing. And I'm like, well, yeah, you are. And I said, so you're from this neighborhood. And, you know, I started laying it all out for them. And they're like, man, you know, they're doing that. What do you know about that neighborhood? Well, I know this guy and I know that guy. And the one dude's like, man, how you know him? Like, he, you know, that's the dude that that brought me in and, and like mm -hmm. well, I played soccer with them when we were like five, dude. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> yeah. We started breaking it down for him and, and uh, we broke down those barriers real quick. And mm -hmm. bottom line is I told him, Hey man, I know you guys are up to no good. You don't belong here. So you better get on down the road and head back to your neighborhood. <laughs> so, yeah. Same kind of story, man. That's, that's so cool. Like that, that how it just comes full circle, man. But when you get to drop knowledge on these younger kids, BC and I were out one day and we, uh, we, we intercepted a, a planned robbery over a jail phone call and we had to go out and find this dude and tell him like, Hey, we already know what the deal is. So don't go do it. So we ended up finding him, but we on the block and, uh, and there was just young, young kids hanging out. And then there's a bunch of older guys, but like we got out and started BSing, but like, you know how it is when you, when a couple cops are standing out in the street, like they don't want to come close, but they also want to come close. Well, we got to cutting up with like two or three dudes and we ended up having like uh what did we call it? Gang member jeopardy. 
and Ooh. we were we were quizzing them, you know. And we're like, we called the the, the OG, the, the big man on the block, over like, come here, come here, come here. He's like, no, nah, I don't want to fuck with you. I don't want to fuck with you. I'm like, these these dudes in your gang don't even know the history the same way we know the history, and like, you know. So we ended up all cutting up, and then you know, mind blown at how much we knew, right? These these young kids are like, how do y'all know this? It's like that's our job, bro. Yeah. Well, and not and not to mention, like even from that encounter, <clears throat> we knew, and I won't get into details, but we already knew follow up from that encounter mm-hmm. how paranoid everybody became, mm-hmm. which then settled the block down. <laughs> yep. You know, it's like now now their brains are like scrambled. Like, who are oh, these yeah. dudes in like plain clothes? And this like dude keeps pushing his glasses up because I like nerd it up sometimes, you know. And like <laughs> one dude's like, "Yo, you don't know me," and I busted him out. I called him by his government name, his rank. Oh, when yeah. he got brought home, like how long he had been in. In that gang, that set, that line, and his eyes just got huge. I was like, dude, don't worry. Like, we're not here to take you to jail. You got no warrants, nothing. But y'all, y'all better start asking some real questions because we, we're winning we, the gang jeopardy right now. We yep. specifically did the dude, it was two guys that were gonna do the robbery, and the guy that we uh we stopped, he was not gonna be the one bringing the gun, but we didn't even like lay it out for him. We just said, Hey, your, your homeboy that's picking up the gun over at so and so behind grandmama's house. <laughs> He's not showing up to the robbery you guys are doing because we've already talked to him. Jaw dropped. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was cool, too, because we could tell him, like, but we didn't let you do the robbery. Right. Exactly. Like, we, we just saved you, like, 25 years in federal prison. So mm-hmm. you're welcome, dude. Like, we're just going to laugh and joke. And, well, and the cool thing is with them old gangsters, uh, you know, like the ones that you know from back in the day that kind of, uh, I don't know, they were a different set of rules back then. Mm-hmm. they'll still step in and if you're respected as a cop by those, yeah. those older guys mm-hmm. it, it works to your advantage man i've had several times where i've been dealing with youngsters and they're getting mouthy and they're doing their thing right they're mm-hmm. they're, they're bucking up and, and trying to show off a little bit but i've had them old dudes be like hey man <laughs> you know they'll go to the youngster you need to you need to shut up like thomas don't play and you yeah. will you <laughs> right <know>. yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how they used to do with uh with ski. They'd be like, "Ski's funny, but ski'll take you to jail too, and he and he won't take you to the to the state pen. He he kind of got the fed the fed cred sometimes behind him, like." So, so let me ask you this, man. You you obviously you're in a super high ranking position, and your sheriff is always you know publicized on the news and stuff like that. What is it like being? having like a social media handle as a law enforcement officer that's kind of open to the public and all that. Like, has there been any negatives from it? I'm sure there's been a lot of good from it, but what about, you know, the, the work you did, you're pretty accessible, easy to find like, Oh, that's the dude that arrested me 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Like anything like that happen? No, I, I haven't really, you know, been hit up by anybody that I arrested back in the day or anything. And, and honestly, dude, I, I don't worry about that stuff. Cause I just, you know, I've, this has always been just one big game to me, man. If sometimes yeah. bad guys win, sometimes the good guys win. They know it's kind of cops and robbers, right? If I catch mm-hmm. them slipping, then that's that's on them. Um, and I've never treated anybody, you know, wrong. Like I, I just treat everybody, even if they're bad, bad dudes, treat them like normal human beings. And so I don't necessarily uh, create enemies like that i mean you always have people that just hate the cops and of course on social media you get haters all the time that'll just blast the dm calling you a pig and whatever and i just yeah. you know i really don't pay attention to the comments man i'm 
I guess I'd be considered a troll in some sense because sometimes I'll just say shit and then I leave because I really don't give a fuck what everybody else says. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody's pissed off and I come back and I was like, oh shit, they were fighting and I didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> You're too busy living life, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, social media for me is just to, to kind of have fun and, and mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, if I want to get a message out there, obviously, like for the book, it helps to, to get the yeah. word out about the book, but uh, I don't. Not mess with it too much and i don't worry about the i don't worry about the haters and i don't worry about the past shit yeah, you know, yeah. i like it though man it's a it is that that inside view of you know your world a little bit obviously you put out there what you want to put out there. um right. but it, I, I think it's cool man with the modern technology and people really being able to kind of get a little glimpse into the life and not yeah. and not to mention i'll say a few things that one <clears throat> If I were a, a younger person or I were just, I don't even have to be young because we got people that are like 40 years old getting into law enforcement now, right. which is right. cool because, you know, they, they have other careers and then they get into it. But if I were in Arizona and I saw you on like Instagram, I'd be like, I'm going to go work for that, that county right there. I'm going to work for that dude. You know what I mean? Or your sheriff because. And it does with the sheriff, especially. Mm -hmm. He's got a lot bigger social media platform than I mm -hmm. do. And uh, we have applicants that'll flat outright tell us like, and what you we ask them why why here why do you want to work for yeah. us and they say you know like either the sheriff or you chief mm -hmm. i follow you guys on social media i like what you stand for and this is you know the spot i want to land yeah. yeah right yeah that's what i was gonna say like because on, on your own well like we, we never put our faces out there or anything right. like that we just do our thing um but like you're you're always working out so it shows like the healthy side like look this dude's got like like close to three decades in law enforcement and still looks like probably what he did coming out of the academy. You know what I mean? Right. Like stays in shape, funny, got, you know, humor. Show like you barreling on a 50 cow or something like that. You know what I mean? Like just stuff that that if I were getting into it now, I'd be like, that's that's where I want to work. I don't I don't want to work where people are going to tell me to look the other way and not create a news story. Like, don't don't worry about the real crime. Just don't go out there and get in a car chase or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Kinda, like the sheriff and I both, uh, obviously, you know, being his second in command, we, we align on a lot of different things. And uh, we're both big believers that uh, we have to kind of blaze the trail here because it seems like in cop work, um, people that say they're leaders in, in this line of work mm -hmm. are shying away from, from being proud of it and uh, mm -hmm. being proud of what we stand for and being proud of who we are. And uh, you know, we don't like, I don't, I don't care if like, I like shooting full auto machine guns. If people don't <laughs> like that, cool. You don't like that. But guess what? Yeah. I do. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of cops I know that like that. And yeah. that doesn't mean that we are now baby killers and we go out and rape and pillage and all that yeah. kind of shit. It just means yeah. I like shooting that gun. And so we're kind of standing up against that, that BS narrative. Mm -hmm. being who we are and we tell our people like hey man you're grown adults uh who we entrust with the power to take people's freedoms away we give you a badge and a gun to represent the agency go do your job just all we want is you to treat people good and mm -hmm. because you're your protectors of our citizens so so go do that and if you have to deal with bad guys and they speak certain languages we want you to be fluent in those languages <laughs> right yeah you know mm -hmm. So, so where the the rest of the country hit a big dip in proactive policing, your your uh, sheriff's office probably never skipped a beat just because of your leadership. No, we we kept pushing forward, and guess what? 
what I can tell leaders around the, the country is our crime index is lower than it's ever been. That's we have mm-hmm. less population in our jails, so we're not putting as many people in jail. Mm-hmm. Our crime is going mm-hmm. down. So that is a true testament to proactive policing because we're putting the people that need to go to jail in jail. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what we have explained that for probably more than 10 years. The same thing like you're saying, and the best part about your area is like you just said, this isn't mass incarceration. We're not arresting zero, you know, zero tolerance was what people were saying out here in our area. Go lock everybody up on the block. And it's like, no, that dude is drinking like some, some, you know, whatever beer in in an open container. Nobody cares about that dude. What we care about is the guy right there who's selling a $20 crack rock, but has a gun in his waistband and hates the guy across town. Like let's focus on that dude. Leave everybody else alone. Like you said, arrest the right people that are in that area that are most violent. Your violence goes down. Your call, you know, call volume goes down in that area and you've arrested one person. And then the whole neighborhood's like, Hey, thanks for that. You know, hell, even the guy drinking, you know, Boone's farm or Richard's, which is what everybody drank around here. was like, he's cracking the seal. And you're like, dude, I don't want to have to deal with you tonight. He's like, Hey, thanks for arresting. So-and-so like, he's going to split my head up because I owed him $20. Like I got you, man. You know what I mean? Like, cool. Just don't hang out in the middle of the street and get hit by a car. But that idea that y'all have got the data to be able to show that, like you make the, the right arrest and focus on the criminal organizations or the gangs or, whoever's causing the most problems for violence and empower your people to go out there and do that. And I say yeah. that like leaders to do that, you put your arm around somebody and say, Hey, you're going to be all right. Go, go take care of business. Let's get out there. That's what the the grandmothers and grandfathers and stuff behind those curtains mm-hmm. peeking out every day. That's what they're looking for. They yep. need you to get out of that car and stand up and, and, you know, hold, hold your duty pistol right. Or, you know, and, and, and the other is, uh, you know, a lot of leaders, um, aren't willing to stand up when they make mistakes either, you know? And so mm-hmm. we know that our people are making life and death decisions in milliseconds. And sometimes it's not going to go right. And that's the other piece of it is you have to be willing to stand up and say, Hey, we fucked this one up mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it didn't go as planned and we're going to do better. Uh, but we feel like we make another enough positive investments with our community and we're transparent with our community. And I don't even like transparent because that's not right. We're just, we openly communicate and have a two-way discussion with our community. And um, we show the humanity beside or behind this job. Um, Cause we do, you know, on our, on our uh, social media for our agency, uh, we show our men and women doing good work and, and not only doing work, in uniform, but the good stuff that they do out of uniform and, and how they serve their community. And so all of that connects you back because our staff here anyways, they are the community. Like they live in the areas they police and they shop with the people they're policing and their kids go to school together. So we're community members. We're just entrusted with protecting the community too. And sometimes that equals, you know, we have to take people to jail or, or uh, treat them a different way because they violated the laws. But, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's my the burning. Yeah. My mind's blown right now. Into talking to Did- a chief with this much logic and humility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm saying because of that background too, man. I always say it. His, his background is different. Well, it's not even really different. I think I think that a lot of really good cops come from some areas like that. And just in your background, whether it's, 
sadly growing up in domestic violence or whether it's growing up in a neighborhood where there's violence around you or, 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 or maybe not or whatever, but it's, <clears throat> you get, you get really good cops and really good detectives and you find out like crazy stuff that they live through. And then you're like, that makes sense. Now that, that, that makes sense why they weren't shaking, you know, in their boots when they heard a 12 gauge go off like three feet from them in the back door or something. You're like, Oh yeah, it makes sense. Like they've, they've been around that before. So I don't you know. Grew I, up, I dig it. Yeah. You grew up in a time where, uh, if you were a white dude, you should have had a Camaro, but you had a cutlass with tinted windows. Didn't you, man? <laughs> oh man. I was a Monte Carlo guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, that br that brings me to always the burning question, man. We start getting into music, and Ski over there uh, apparently lately has been talking about some '90s country, uh, and that I just I never got into '90s country. A little bit, man. It is yeah. what it is. But yeah, no, I I, I could hear the Marlowe coming from three miles away. You probably had at least two or three twelves in there. And then like one of those big 15s, but it wasn't hey, wired. Has, right. <laughs> so your, your amp always overheated. And <laughs> uh, I, I had a 12 inch home speaker. So <laughs> I had taken one of those, put it in the back of the car. And it, it was wired. Right. But it wasn't really made for a car. So things would rattle in there. that shouldn't rattle. <laughs> Which would mess up the, the true bass sound. And then you could never get your tweeters quite right. So it yeah, you would just go for the boom, boom. Yeah, that hey that, that I'm telling you, like if you guys know, if you ever drove around with any twelves or fifteens in your car, too short was one of my favorites to play. Yeah. His bass was unreal. Yeah, I was about to say, did you, did your DJ Magic might hit just right? <laughs> you remember, like everybody would be like, dude, don't play that. That'll blow you speakers, man. Yeah, it's so hard yeah. to blow you speakers. Dude, oh, when I really what when when I was at the peak of that, like when that was like a big thing, man. Like everybody in my town for miles, all you heard was Bone Thugs and Harmony Crossroads <laughs> everywhere you drove. I was like, I can't act to this song anymore. Like I've heard it eighty six times in one day. Every car that drives by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Ski, have you got a good pick for us, man? You got any music not, we should be listening to? Not yet. Come back to me. Yeah, well, I was going to tell you, don't you pick any 90s country. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I think uh, uh, Deputy, uh, one time right there, maybe been shaking his head, too. I don't know. You dig 90s country or no? I do now. Now, yeah. <laughs> I did at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of aged well, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but at the time, like in the '90s, obviously, I was like a hardcore rap guy. So I, yeah. I was I was listening to some Too Short, some NWA. Yeah. DJ Quick was one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you weren't you weren't getting into like uh, I don't know whatever Ski would would reference. He and somebody else were talking about it earlier today, <laughs> and I was like, I can't get down in '90s country. I try I try to be respectful, so I'm not going to dog anybody out. I didn't get into it in the 90s, and I I, may, I don't know. Maybe I could well, I mean, now. I, you do have, like, like you know, Garth. Uh, you, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, you can't dog some of the kings, man. Yeah, well, let, uh, let me back up. Yeah, let me let me clarify before people get mad. I do like George Strait. Oh, yeah. I've always liked George Strait. Like, I, that to me, and there's a little bit of Randy Travis I probably could listen to. Yeah. But man, the other stuff I don't really know that well. But the old, I mean, country, you. How, but yeah. how could you like those two, but not like Alan Jackson, Sammy Kershaw, 
like because uh, I'm a loser. John man. Anderson, clearly. Well, like, like, Alan, <laughs> for me, man, I, I was just trying to figure out as a kid. I'm like, what in the hell is Chattahoochee? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like some kid That's, now would Google it, you know, and they would be like, oh, it's three point three thousand miles long or something. You're like. I don't even know what this word is back then. You're like looking in Encyclopedia Britannica and you're like, I don't have time to flip these pages, man. Let me stick it back under the uh, the couch here where it was holding it up because the couch legs broke it. Man, I just, uh-uh. I just, I, I keep painting a picture in my head of Matthew when he was younger. He's just, he's like rabbit from Eight Mile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. No, what's the, who's the other guy, man, that shoots himself? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen it. I, well, uh, I think you're the only one that's seen it, Ski. You've yeah. never seen Eight Mile? Yeah, no, but I, I don't know who you're talking about. I can't remember. Oh, Cheddar Bob, dude. Cheddar Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. Oh, man. He's too cool for that, dude. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, I will tell great. you, where was it? I'll tell you what, man. Um, I've, I've been getting down with a little Mike Ness. Uh, uh, I know most people haven't heard of him, but he's the lead singer of Social Distortion. You go back to like 99, man, he came out with an album. And for anyone out there, listen, check out Mike Ness, Ballad of a Lonely Man. That's where you kind of get old country and a little bit of uh, like, I don't know, maybe a little blues, but also dirtied up with, with a little background of punk rock. But oh. uh, Mike Ness, Ballad of a Lonely Man. All right. Benjamin Booker, Violent Shiver. Uh, so a friend of mine hooked me up with Spotify recently, <laughs> like gave me a tutorial on how to use it. And I sound like I'm about 85 years old. <laughs> I had no idea how to use Spotify, but I love music. Like I'm addicted to it. So this person hooked me up. I'm on Spotify. And like now that's all I'm doing. I'm like, I'm like an addict. Like every night I'm just banging out songs, but this Benjamin Booker violent shiver. I played it like, I don't know, 13 times or something crazy. But I have this thing where I wake up every morning and a song is already in my head playing. And sometimes it's like really random stuff, like the theme to Golden Girls or something. And then I can't get it out of my head, man. I'm like, I'm in the shower, like hit my head. Like, come on, man, stop, man. I know, thank you for being a friend, but get out of my head. But the other day I woke up to that uh, Violent Shiver song and man, it set, the day, it set the day right. Like 20 minutes, man, I'm getting ready. Like, that's it. That's the song. I know how to make it easy for you, man. What, what's your guilty pleasure song? Everybody's got one, man. What do you mean, like a song that he doesn't want anyone to know? Or a exactly. Song he lo- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the song that's like, I love this song, but I don't want anybody to know how much I love it. And obviously, I, I, aired, I, I aired it all out, man. I'm a Whitney Houston junkie. I love anything she does, man, and I get made fun of still for it. So for me, it's probably, uh, probably Janet Jackson, man. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anywhere. I think it's anywhere, any place. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I, I've always found Janet Jackson just to be super attractive. And her voice right. is obviously awesome. And that's one of those that, yeah, I could be in a patrol car belting that out by myself. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Hey, I, I told this story the other day. Um, if you remember when, when Janet Jackson was Penny on Good Times, mm-hmm. right? She's a little girl, Penny, on Good Times. And it's sad because that was like the first time I had seen domestic violence like portrayed on TV, right? right? And poor Penny gets beat by her mom. And I remember like getting upset, man, like like crying about Penny getting beat. And then it's like flash forward 10 or whatever, 12 years later, and she's this, you know, sensation on there like singing, was it Nasty na- nasty Boys or whatever? Yeah, or Control. And I'm like, man, that's, that's, that's not little Penny, is it? 
I thought like I thought good. I thought TV was real when I was a kid. Like I thought Good Times was like real. I thought these were real people that bad right. things were happening to. So it hit me in the heart. But yeah, okay. That, Janet Jackson isn't bad. Uh, Whitney Houston, though, I do. I bust skis chops because I don't know. I, 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 I will say I'm not going to disrespect Whitney Houston. I just well, it surprises I, me. Like for me lately, uh, um, Cadillac Three has been. I just oh uh, come on, man. That's ski. That's skis, boys. Dude. Making some Cadillac Three, man. Those Have you ever are... seen them live? No, I told my wife that is one of my goals is to go Dude, see them. I've seen them probably no less than five or six times live, and oh, and they're and they they are so loud in concert, and they just bring it, sir, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. actually, yeah, I... I, at one point in time, I had a little band going, and we used to cover the Cell, Lightning, all that. That's awesome. Nice. All right, the hey, the last band I'm gonna mention <laughs> is Dawes, D-A-W-E-S. This is way, way out of my categories, but uh it's called When My Time Comes. So when people listen to it and they'll send me a message like, Man, this isn't punk rock or hardcore or anything like that, or ska or whatever, you know, grease or rock. It's just um, it's a, that band's almost like you remember like in the late 70s when everything was kind of like soft rock or a little bit of yacht rock or you know like everything slowed down in the world and and dudes are like just singing about relaxing and riding through the horse with, or riding through the desert with a horse with no name it's like that sound but dos d-a-w-e-s when my time comes somebody put me on that recently and and it blew my mind like i i listen to it all the time so there's a little it's mellow so side to me man it's not whitney it's, but it, it's close i'm just saying if you mention yacht rock there's a <laughs> That's the pioneer yacht rock right there, because I know you guys can't see it, but I have a picture of Kenny Loggins on the screen, and him and his boy Messina—they just did it right. <laughs> they did. Hey, Loggins and Messina were good. I, I, I do listen to them, dude. Now, all right. Hey, any any other musical references? Or oh, hold, before we go, how can everybody reach you, man? I know I mentioned your Instagram, but like I, that's the only thing I know. What, how can everybody reach you, and and how to get the book? Um. So. Instagram's probably where I'm most active, and that's deputy underscore one time. Um, and then uh, if they're looking for the book, it's on all the platforms. It's called Interceptors. I think, well, they won't mm -hmm. see this, but it's uh, mm -hmm. Interceptors, the untold fight against the Mexican cartels. And it's available on all the platforms where you can find books. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I have my own website. It's One Time Nation. Imagine that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If they go to one time nation.com, they can, uh, you know, they can go to the website there and I got, I got some uh, swag. It's out of stock right now, but I, I'm, I have some swag on there. I got the books on there too. So, and then they can kind of read about me if they wanted to know more about me. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. We'll, we'll post, we'll post pictures of the yeah. cover of your book and everything and put, push it out to our small following, man. But somebody, yeah. People are gonna pick it up, man. That's hey, and awesome. that and that uh, that promo video, man, is, is badass. Oh, dude, post that, yeah. yeah. So I I I did uh, the NRA came out back back when I was doing all this stuff. They sent a film crew out uh, to ride with my my anti smuggling guys and and SWAT guys when we were doing all that shit, and uh, they spent about two three weeks with us, and that's where all that footage came from because they spent a lot of time with us and. Man, we were just one thing into the other, into the other, and just a lot of action. And so uh, I became friends with the dude that was that was uh, doing all the filming and putting that show together. And so uh, uh, NRA used to have what they called Life of Duty, 
And uh, so they, we were featured on their NRA life of duty channel and they showed, you know, uh, they showed us doing our thing. And a lot of that stuff from my promo video came from that time frame of, of uh, the NRA being with yeah. us. So it was cool. that, I just reached out to that dude and said, Hey man, will you help me out? Uh, you know, do something for my book. So he just spliced together a bunch of stuff and, and uh, voiced it for me. And there we go. It's good, dude. I, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, he he's legit, man. This isn't like some, hey, he's not, hey, Ski, he's not just like writing books and selling about the trunk of the car like they're mixtapes, man. <laughs> it's legit, man. He wrote a, like, for real book. It's good. No, I liked it, man. I, I appreciate you sending me the, the copy. Yeah. And I've read it like I like we were talking about earlier. Man, I burned through it in, in probably two days, three days tops. And I'm a slow reader, but man. It's good, dude, and I, I recommend it to newer newer people getting into law enforcement. Like, check it out. This is the way to, you know to learn. And there's in the book, he's got a lot of pictures. Yeah. It almost like breaks down in one section as if you're in a class, like all these electives that that officers can take, learning body language, smuggling, all that stuff. Man, it's it's cool, dude. I, I just I like reading people who do real cop work, not. You know, and I'm disrespecting people, but people who kind of jazz it up, and it's like, nah, maybe you didn't really do <laughs> real police work. Yeah, anyway, and I think, man, well, honestly, man, I wanted to. Uh, I think the biggest goal, because I had somebody ask me this, what what was what was your goal behind writing the book? And the biggest thing was just giving props to because, and not me. It, there was a lot of us doing that work, and there was dudes that did a lot more than than I did, even, mm -hmm. um, and just all that hard work man that goes on and nobody even knows what's happening right yeah everything's behind, behind like i say it, but like in the shadows like stuff yeah. is going on in neighborhoods and people have no clue we roll in we snatch somebody up and nobody knows and you're like yeah this dude whatever shot two people and wherever right. pick a state and they're hiding in your neighborhood or vice versa we get information from a jail phone call that they're gonna go shoot somebody and they got a warrant for failure to appear in court we're gonna go snatch him up on that and and yep. prevent that shooting from happening but yeah i like it dude i want everybody to go read it it's interceptors great book uh ski you got anything else i do man i just want to say thank you so much for your leadership man and i just love to see that it used you the fire man you might you might get behind somebody on the way home and say hey i i realize i've been off for three hours but you know <laughs> deputy one time he's still got I'm just gonna go for it but no seriously in all seriousness man i i think uh i appreciate you doing what you're doing and i think you're paving the way for the next generation to come in and start kicking ass in law enforcement again i know man that's yeah i, I, I love it man we appreciate your time dude disruptors yep. out all right <laughs>